Hey there, and welcome to the Pseudo Show, brought to you by the Destination Linux Network. Today, we bring in Felipe, founder of CrowdSec. We discuss community-driven security, reputation-based IP engines, and how together we can achieve digital herd immunity. All that and more on the Pseudo Show. Welcome to the Pseudo Show, your home for all things enterprise open source. I'm Eric, the IT guy, and joining me every episode is my security testing co-host, Brandon Johnson. How are you doing today, buddy? Doing great, Eric. Been uh, spending the last uh, week or so actually uh, testing CrowdSec, the topic we're talking about today with uh, the founders of the project. So I'm very excited to uh, be talking with them and probably do a deep dive on uh, CrowdSec uh, here pretty soon. So we we promoted this episode before it was published, and <laughs> to be honest, that was actually one of the requests we had was, is, is Brandon going to uh, publish a video on this? So looks like someone already volunteered you to do that. And it wasn't me, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I guess my couple videos I've done have been pretty popular. Yeah, I know I've enjoyed them. And you know what else? The f- the funny thing is, I just took some time off a, a couple of weeks ago, and there's always that catch-up period afterwards. You know, you you take a week off to decompress, then a few days off for Thanksgiving. It seems like it seems like right now I'm working twice as hard to get caught up. I will say though, I have spent less time on video conferences in the past couple of weeks than I have had all summer, and that in and of itself has been well worth it. But hey, Brandon, have you heard about Bitwarden? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading this. <laughs> All right, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> you mean Bitwarden, the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and business organizations to store, share, and sync sensitive data? Yeah, I've heard of Bitwarden. Yeah, that's the one. You know why we love them? Because they are a sponsor of the Pseudo Show and the Destination Linux Network. You're two for two, good sir. Why do our listeners love Bitwarden? Bitwarden works across your devices from mobile, desktop, and browser plugins. Bitwarden is 100% open source, so you know their code can be trusted. If you want to self-host it, you can even do that. And why don't you tell everybody just how easy Bitwarden is on their wallets? Bitwarden is free to get started, but you can get upgraded features for just $10 a year. Dude, you're on fire today. This is going to be a good episode. Head on over to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started with this awesome service today. And thank you to Bitwarden for keeping our password safe and for sponsoring the pseudo show. Oh, that was- hey, I've been wanting to do that. because <laughs> So I, I listened to another podcast. It's, it's, it's a D&D podcast called Critical Role. And every, every episode, keep in mind, they do this every week. They, they have a different ad read, different voices, different voice actors, different, different themes and skits. So just, just be thankful that, uh, that I didn't make you do that. <laughs> but sincerely, uh, thank you to Bitwarden for sponsoring the Pseudo Show and the entire Destination Linux network. Joining us on the Pseudo Show today is Felipe, the CEO and founder of CrowdSec. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So we we got introduced through uh, an article that you published on opensource.com. And I I really was intrigued by your product. We'll we'll kind of talk about the technology a little bit, but I I was intrigued by the product, what you were trying to accomplish. um, And being a longtime systems administrator, it really really got me excited. So we're really excited that, uh, that you came on the show. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a brand new thing. We're trying to have a different take on security. Um, and we, the way we want to do it is like crowd-based, you know. Uh, we have with the crowd power because we saw it's working in many, many different areas uh, nowadays. And we think that it's not been applied to security as such. And this is what we're trying to tackle here. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense and it really speaks to me from from an open source perspective. I mean, one, one of the big pushes in the industry right now is to open source uh, security. So by op- not only open sourcing, but also crowdsourcing security, I think we'll see a lot more a lot more traction. But before we get into CrowdSec, one of the things that we really drive home on the Pseudo Show is the fact that our industry, our community is made up of people, individuals, personalities. So before we talk about your company and, and, and your product, let's talk about who is Felipe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've been working in this IT industry for years. I, I was hacking my first uh, machines back in the days, 20 years ago, when the legal, the legal framework was not the same. We were at liberty to just try, you know, try and test. It was nice. We never did any money with this. It was just like, oh, can I get into this uh, server? It was like the school servers mainly. You know, it gave me the test taste of, uh, of security. And then close to me were another group of guys that did it for uh, as a pro activity, right? It was a day-in-day-out job and it became really fascinating. So I turned out to be a white hat hacker for years. Uh, I don't know, maybe I did pen testing for a little decade. Um, and I tested among the, the biggest system in France here. We were really a French-based uh, company by then. And later on in, in the game, um, I met my co-founder, Thibaut, and actually he was really better than me at this. You know? So I handed over the, the reins of the pen testing part to him, and I went on with business. More or less, it was the, the way I came to uh, create new systems, imagine uh, the, the security of tomorrow and so on. So we made a high security environment uh, in a cloud, but you know the stuff was like a bit heavy. Right? You had to have like all the DevOps team, SecOps team, the hardware and stuff. You couldn't really carry it home or use it in your premises or in your small company. You had to be hosted by us. Somehow it lacked some portability. Let's put it like this. But we're always, uh, with Tibo, like convinced that those uh, open source components were, were the king and would be tomorrow's next move in security. I sold my company uh, uh, four years ago and decided to go on with him with this new adventure and to create this open source software. And, uh, and from this uh, hosting environment slash pen test environment, we switched to editor job, which is a bit different, but nevertheless very uh, interesting. CrowdSec, you said that you were inspired by failed ban, or you're even the next generation of, the, of that solution. What about failed ban uh, inspired you? What, what elements have you taken from it? What's, uh, what, essentially, what makes CrowdSec its next generation? I mean, we use fail to ban, right? Most of us use fail to ban. I mean, if you talk to all the admins in the world that ever had a Linux system, according to the popular contest, uh, popularity contest on Debian, it's something like 12% of machines using Debian that are using fail to ban, which is already a lot of them at large. It's probably way more than that because there are Red Hat, CentOS, and you know, plenty of other software, sorry, distros around the world. We were of the opinion that behavior is king, right? So Filterban was doing this super neat work at detecting very simple attacks like low-hanging fruits, but it would kill the noise, you know, the background noise that you constantly had on your various ports on your machine, like SSH brute force, uh, HTTP scanning, uh, things like this, you know, the pests, the basic pests. 
but it was kind of not enough. We used it with, uh, and we were glad that Cyril Jacquet and all the guys that contributed to this software did it, but it was not enough. In the modern world, we needed something more decoupled, first of all. So you would be able to kind of detect in one point and block in another, because in modern architecture, it's, it's you know basically what you do. Every component is specialized. Every machine is specialized. Every container is specialized. So you don't want to detect and remedy the same place, most likely. You want to listen to all your machines, everything that's happening, and probably take decision in a central place like your firewall or your application or whatever. Uh, we wanted also to have like a faster language because Python is great and Cyril chose it for you know the sake of doing a training for himself. Uh, it turned out to be quite a piece of software for a training, but um, in the end, Python is not fast. I love Python. I am a Python coder myself, but it's really not fast when it comes to treating vast amount of logs and when you need real-time decisions. So we decided to go for Golang, uh, the language done by Google, and that is uh, you know inherently and natively compatible with uh, all the container environments. It's pretty well accepted all around the globe on every OS. So it gives us portability and you know more access to more machines. And uh, we wanted also to have a very simple grammar so that people can describe what their pests look like, what the behavior they are looking for uh, look like, and they could publish it to a hub, a common hub that we have. It's an online uh, website, right? You can go to it and like say, I don't like this. I want to deal with this problem. You can just find a scenario that someone else wrote for you, someone else wrote for you, and you can download it and install it in just one click. So all of this was not possible with uh, with fail to ban anymore. fail to ban is not doing IPv6 either. Uh, I think Sergey is, is the last one standing, maintaining the software. This guy is a legend and is super occupied. So I don't know if he has all the time in the world to do this, but we are we are now five and we, we do this day in, day out. So we try to to make this uh, next gen great. Even though I have to say, I mean, we love what they did and we're already, uh, congratulations to this team. There's nothing, we're not in competition whatsoever. Some of them work with us, by the way, but we really appreciate what they did. It's time to take over and make the next gen. Was there a particular event or or some kind of experience that you had that led you to, to design uh, CrowdSec? Yeah, you know, funny enough, in our previous story with Thibault, we found out that, you know, we had this super uh, stack. It worked like super really well. We loved it. It was blocking plenty of attacks. And, you know, day in, day out, we had like alerts and monitoring. It was great. But we found out something fun. A, a hacker tried to take over some uh, sports equipment uh, website at some point during, the, uh, during the, the, the Olympics, right? He wanted probably to blackmail them or something like this. We saw the guy trying to hammer machines one by one with a ton of IP. And all of them would get banned and banned and banned again. And he would crash something like 3,000 IPs in just one day to take this website down. And we found out like, wow, that's crazy. They have a lot of resources and they have a lot of time. So we bought beers, we bought a, a bit of popcorn and we're like, okay, go on, man. If you want to, spread, to, to spend your resources on that and your time on that, let, let's be my guest. I mean, you're just going to waste it all. <laughs> but, you know, it triggered something deeper in this. We said, okay, that's just our machines being protected by this system, right? So all our machines were protected against these 3,000 IPs instantly. But what if we would be sharing those IPs on a larger scale? Like, say, to everyone around the globe saying, okay, we've been attacked by this guy. It's, it's not a, a good guy. He's using those IPs. You know, let's just all block it. It was too simplistic at first, but the idea nevertheless stayed in our mind. And we said, okay, you know what? We're going to build an IP reputation system. A global one. This is where the original seed came from, if you want. 
So what are some of the features that make CrowdSec sort of that next generation? Talk a little bit about the, the architecture. So apart from just the, the language that makes already a, a world of difference, what we wanted to have is a, a very distributed system. So actually the uh, reputation is being fed by the behavior. So you detect behavior locally and then you spread the reputation around you. So what makes it really different is uh, it's stateless already. We don't intercept anything if you don't want to. We read logs and we react on those logs. So that's pretty cool because you don't have to uh, stop your flux and you know have a single point of failure anywhere. We have an inference engine also that is reinforcing decision. You can enrich uh, the signals you get from, from the data source with external databases, either our own reputation database or any uh, threat intel you would be subscribing to, for example. Out of the box, we provide observability, which is cool. We have a metabase uh, system uh, so that you can see what's happening. So it's kind of gamified if you want to. It's really fun. You can see what's happening on a daily basis, who is attacking you the most, what scenarios are triggered and so on. So that's, that's pretty cool. There is this community-driven uh, thing because fail to ban at this uh, centralized scenario that you could contribute on GitHub and so on, but somehow it required that you had a bit of uh, technical knowledge in the background, you know? Here, it's super simple. You have a scenario, you like it, you think it's solving a problem, you just publish it. And we'll do the curation, uh, the community as well. But, you know, this easy modern grammar makes it so simple. Like YAML is just describing whatever you want. Say you want to describe a, a port scan, for example. We use a leaky bucket system. So say your bucket is like uh, as 15 spaces, you know, 15 slices you can fill. So... If you're filling more than 15 slices, 15 uh, units in the bucket, it's going to overflow. And when it overflows, we detect a signal. We say, okay, oh, that guy has knocked on like uh, more than 15 closed ports on my machine. He's probably trying to scan me, right? And then you can take any decision you want based on that. But the leaky bucket thing is cool as well because it's leaking. So every like five seconds, you can say, okay, I'm emptying a bit the bucket by one event up until the, the bucket is empty. So if someone scan like 14 ports, it's not so bad. You can set it to 9, 10, whatever. Um, and then you would not take any remediation. So with this very simple grammar, we can make very complicated things. Think, for example, that an IP would like scan you uh, port-wise, uh, web scan you as well, and do some credential stuffing on your SSH uh, access, right? These are three different buckets. But you can make them overflow in a meta bucket, which would then contain attack on SSH, attack on ports, attack on web. And you could tell, wow, this same IP has been triggering three different events. It's probably targeting me. It's not background noise, not random noise. It's like, it's really, it's after me, right? So uh, this is a targeted attack. I, can, I should do something about it. Or you could also do something like uh, we have uh, uh, multi-stage detection. For example, you can do if this, and this, and this, then that, which is cool as well, because some attacks, you know, require to have different stages validated before you can actually uh, leverage your, your your payload or something. This is how it, mainly how it's different. It makes it sound uh, really easy. And I've been playing with it a little bit. Actually, I just uh, put it on, I, I have very few public facing uh, systems uh, one of which is a C file instance. C file utilizes fail to ban, but I replaced it with CrowdSec to see how, how it works. And uh, so far, actually, it's worked 
it's uh, was easier to set up and uh, it's already detecting more. I think it is definitely easier to set up rules. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, um, so it's definitely uh, uh, blocking more, even though it most of it's just noise. I mean, I'm not. At least I don't think I'm a target. Really, anything on the public internet is so. Well, I mean, this this just takes me back to the days when I was a systems administrator, and I can distinctly remember sitting back in uh, in our knock one day. And all of a sudden, half of our sites just got so slow. And, and we started digging into it. We got the security team involved. We had some proprietary third-party application that we paid way too much money for that was able to isolate the fact that we were actually being, being probed. It actually turned into a DDoS attack. It wasn't a very effective one because we just blocked their IPs and, and all the noise went away. But I'm just thinking if we had something like CrowdSec at that time, that DDoS attack probably wouldn't have even started because I'm sure that this this IP block would have been picked up by somebody in the community and reported back as as a nefarious actor. So not only would that attack have not happened, but it would have those IPs would have already been propagated out to the crowd set yeah. community, if you will. Yeah, likely. Yeah. Yeah, actually, uh, building on that, you know, IP addresses change all the time, right? That, that, that's just a fact of the internet. So what, what's in, in the central database, what's the typical uh, lifespan of, a, of, an, of an IP in the band database? Yeah, it's a complicated thing. I mean, as much as the installation is simple and it's pretty simple for us to automate, it's complicated to curate those signals, right? Because they are coming from all across the globe, from various ranges that can be used by IoT device, phone, they can be carrier, grid net, net involved. You don't know if this IP is used by one person or 10,000. So we have, an, uh, we have put together a system that is basically doing it uh, in the following way. A signal comes from uh, an instance, and we say, okay, this instance, we know it for a while, like more than six months. And every annual uh, reports that this instance made were accurate, right? So we think this person deserves a trust rank one. It's people that are solid uh, community uh, members that we know nearly forever, you know? So those people's voice counts a lot. And all the other new guys coming into the system have a trust rank two. Or more, you know, we don't know them yet, so we don't, we're not going to trust them right away. So, what happens is, if we have a, sig a signal sent by a trust rank one, it will more or less go through. I will get into details, but uh, a trust rank two though needs to be confirmed either by us, our own Honeypot network, which is trust rank zero, or another trust rank one member that has seen the same attack, you know, taking place. So in this way, you cannot poison the system easily because even though you would be spawning, I don't know, 10,000 servers and start pouring decision into the system, we would ignore you completely for like six months. So are you willing to pay for 10,000 machines for six months? Nah, not so sure. Um, and even though you would go through, <laughs> if you try to shoot some, you know, key IPs on internet like uh, 8888, the DNS from Google or, or I don't know, a Kaspersky update system or Microsoft update system or things like this, you know, we would prevent you do, to doing so because we have a whitelist, a canary list. The canary concept is like the one, you know, back in the mines, the coal mines, uh, the, the miners went into the mine and if they were digging into a, a, a place where there was gas leaking, uh, the thing could explode and the canary would die before it explodes. So the miners would have time to flee the, the mine. So it's exactly the same thing. So if you shoot a canary, you, your scenario is either too twitchy 
or you're trying to poison us. So same, you know, same. It wouldn't go through the consent list. And since the network is quite big or getting bigger by the day, um, we don't need to keep those IPs forever to answer your question, Brandon. I mean, it's not like if we had to keep them like for one, two, three months because, aha, we spotted it. It's a super valuable thing. No, it's not valuable. What's valuable is the network being able to generate this in a constant rate. So every 72 hours, if a given IP hasn't made any further attack or whatever, we just remove it from the database. So no IP you would see in the database is older than 72 hours if you didn't do crap in the meantime. That makes sense. So that, that makes a lot of sense because like a lot of these will happen on like uh, Amazon and you want to block a whole uh, block of IPs from Amazon for too, for far too long since those are trading uh, hands uh, essentially daily, if not if not more frequently. Yeah, I want uh, to kind of talk about the model as well, like overall. So CrowdSec is open source. What, what's the uh, licensing? We decided to go for an MIT license. So for the one that are listening to the show, I don't know if you're very familiar with all those complexity of uh, uh, licensing because open source sounds nice, but honestly, behind the hood, it's a bit complicated. So to put it short, MIT is what you have when you get a Debian server, right? You know, this little uh, fancy window that comes up uh, when you log saying we are not responsible for anything, but you can do everything you want with the software, copy it, uh, embed it on a boat or a missile or a satellite or whatever, we don't care. Uh, it's for free forever. So it's exactly what we're doing. We, we, live, we let you do whatever you want with the software, fork it, copy it, embed it, you know, whatever you fancy. The code is for free. It will stay for free, and the software is for free, and it will stay for free. The next logical question would be where we make money, right? Because we are not an association, and yeah. if we want things to last over time, uh, you want the coders to be fed uh, with uh, other things that just their cat, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, what we do is, like, even the reputation system is for free. So when you install your software, Brandon, and I'm glad it went well, uh, you get fed by a reputation system right away. And it's for free as well, even though it consumes resources on the server side. The way we see it is you partaking in the flying wheel, right? So you're feeding us with signals. So we owe you back this protection given by the signals. This is a crowd part. But some people would just want to use the software, the, the database, without uh, uh, engaging into this flying wheel concept. You know, They will not share this, the, the, the attack they face they will just want to consume from the database IP reputation decisions. And that will be our premium. This is where you pay the API access, more or less. There are a few um, features that are extra features that you don't need to run the software, specifically if you're an SMB or, or a person using it for yourself. But if you're in a larger company, you may want to have like security groups, policies, ways to deploy it on a large number of instances, you know, just yesterday, we saw people from DigitalOcean, they spun something like 100 machines, you know. So it's fine, it's cool, we like it, but uh, I'm thinking about the headache they have, like handling all the configuration one by one. So we want to provide those guys with a back office where they could configure things and deploy them on a large scale. This is where we do premium as well. So let me see if I've got this right. There, there's an open source version of the project and you can install it on your on your home system or on your, your small business computer. But then again, if if I'm a large enterprise and, and I'm I'm worried about air gapping my systems, if I 
if if I want support, things like that, I can basically pay for the premium offering, which allows me the ability to self-host. Do, do I have that correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you would get like a lot of goodies, uh, including eventually, uh, obviously, support. But not only, uh, you can get some cool stuff like, you know, for example, if you take, say, I don't know, Citibank, right? It's a huge bank. They get attacked constantly. And maybe they are just the only one being attacked. Maybe uh, the people that are scanning Citibank are not scanning Eric and Brandon. They are just targeting Citibank. And how would we know? You know, that, that could be complicated for us to detect because it's too narrow, you know, doesn't make so much noise on the Internet. So what we would do then is, a for, is um, provide Citibank with a private consensus system. So what I described to you before with the trust ranking system, it's what we call the, the consensus in our system. And what we could do, what we want to do, is to offer Citibank or any other large business the, the possibility to, do, to have their private consensus chamber so that if only their system is attacked or aggressed, they could still detect it and share across all those systems the same remediation that they would uh, on an individual basis. So this is also a premium feature because it requires uh, us to do specific development for that and all. But uh, this is pretty much what you get if you get premium. Yeah, You get support, you get neat features that are more dedicated to larger businesses. So looking at the architecture, you, would you like to get into the difference between CrowdSec agents and bouncers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, a major one because, you know... <laughs> It, it's like the good old days uh, with IPS and detection system where people detected things but never protected themselves. That was so funny. And uh, in the end, when they started the protection, they said, wow, there were so many false positives. We, we got back to the just watching uh, section of the game and, and the IPS was not useful anymore. So uh, what we do here is very different. We have a, a crowdsick agent, right? It's just a thing that is smart somehow. And we have a bouncer. And the bouncer can be totally different from, from one person to another. They can use different ones. For, for example, say you have a, an e-commerce system, right? You're using Magento to sell things around the world. Uh, we can have a bouncer just made for Magento, and we totally intend to do this within the upcoming months, that would query uh, the reputation system to see if the peer is connecting to is uh, legitimate and, and not dangerous for it. For it, so the website would just self-defend itself through the bouncer. It doesn't have to use CrowdSec agent at all. It can just leverage the reputation database using the bouncer. Or say you have like a, an IoT device. You know those things are pretty nice and they make our life easier on a daily basis. But they are kind of dumb and they don't have much CPU embedded. You know, so you cannot make anything smart with them. You cannot pass logs. You cannot, you know, detect behavior or whatever. It's too complicated for their capacities. So what you could do there is just use a wrapper in your Arduino library to connect to the repetition system and ask, okay, whether this IP or not is a trustable one and should I connect with it to, to exchange packets? And that is a bouncer. It can take any form you want, any shape you want. The agent, though, can also be used just for the behavior in a totally different way. For example, we have people that are thinking about analyzing uh, planes, logs, plane logs, so uh, air traffic uh, logs. You know, they, they send a lot of things about their engine, the direction, the, the position, uh, what switch have been turned on and off within the cockpit, uh, you know, tons of things like this. And you could probably analyze if there's something different from the usual behavior you would expect from a pilot. You know, and maybe the plane has a problem or has been hijacked or something like this. So 
at the end of the day, as long as something is spitting log, you would be able to analyze it with something with a behavior engine like uh, CrowdSec. But if you just want to protect yourself without having the uh, the log parsing system, you can just leverage the behavior, the reputation system using bounces. And obviously, the two work together, right? If you're using the behavior and you detect something, then obviously you can feed your bouncer. You can have an Nginx bouncer or an IP table uh, bouncer that would you know feed an IP set that you drop into your firewall. It's the easiest you can think about. We're here partly because uh, it just had a major release. Other than what we've We've talked about already. What other features were just released that that you want want to highlight? The CTO you would love to take this one, but uh, you know I'm the one on the show, so I'm trying to do it properly. So, <laughs> uh, we have we, we used to have dependencies, right? So the, the previous version were were more like a beta thing. It worked properly. It never crashed anything, but it was not really scalable for us because if you wanted to develop your own uh, consumer. Of, or your own data source system or whatever, it would, be, it would have been a bit complicated. So what we did is like we made an abstraction layer between the core system and the signal consumer and producers. So say you want to make a data source connecting um, AES 400, you know, those old machines in the bank's basement that are doing accountability oh, forever. <laughs> I had to work on those. Oh. <laughs> what a nightmare, right? But... <laughs> say, say you want to 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 analyze some behavior in the trading system, whatever. So it it would require you to ingest some logs based on the IBM uh, format, uh, inject them into the system, and then apply some remediation and scenarios. We want the community to be able to thrive and develop a lot of things by itself. So if we would be dependent on the version of the software, it would be a dramatic thing to do, because the day we upgrade the engine, everybody has to upgrade. Uh, otherwise, the scenarios are broken, the data sources are broken and all. So what we did is we, we did a local API on the software. So the software is com- communicating, with, communicating with this abstraction bus, if you want. And you can consume from that bus or produce to that bus easily without really taking care of you know, what's done behind or under the hood. And um, that allows us to have a very simple grammar versioning and we can tell, okay, this scenario is compatible with that version of the agent or uh, and allow you to do pretty much anything you want, you know. That sounds amazing. And, and we'll, we'll overlook uh, how, how you're you know, triggering me over the, the old AS400s. <laughs> I, I had to deal with those at, at one of the first jobs I worked at in IT. So I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm well, sorry. Little... <laughs> Brought up some trauma there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just just for fitness, have you had ever this, you know, this large uh, canisters exploding into your data centers where you had to evacuate because it was like nefarious for your health? You think that is sucking up uh, oxygen from the air? <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the old time, I had that in my office one day, and uh, these canisters exploded, and it was full of like a, oh. a red powder. So not only you had to evacuate. But your your garments were ruined because it was all radish and all, and the guy would look be looking at you like, "Are you working in IT?" Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, okay, I'm saving your your AS four hundred here. So big new release here right before the end of the year. Uh, so so tell us about twenty twenty one. What's on the roadmap? What are you guys excited about? What what's what's coming? So first of all, we go into an exponential growth, right? We need the community to thrive. We need people to see what we do, understand our logic, see that we are reliable, we know what we were doing or we try to, 
and, uh, and that we are committed to make their life easy and safer. This is really our two commitments here. We are trying to get around the globe uh, in different shows, different places, different forums to preach what we are doing because it's not enough to just give something for free. You have to educate people to use it and tell the world it exists. So we're still in this conquest phase, you know. Uh, so we, we need to replace the old machine, the old systems, and potentially fail to ban or whatever they are using, tell people that it's cool. So it's, and we're exciting about, excited about it. You know, yesterday I was uh, doing uh, Russian comments on Haber with my wife. So we were trans- she was translating the comments in Russian, uh, you know, of people saying, uh, it's the end of the world, uh, you will ruin everything and so on, as usual. Uh, but they were saying it in a Russian way. It was so funny. So there were stories about Masha and camels and it's very flourish uh, wording they use. But beyond the joke, what I love is like this international uh, uh, interaction, right? We are discussing with a Canadian just before. We'll be discussing with British tomorrow. I uh, was discussing with, with you guys and... Uh, it's coming from all around the world. We are using Iceland. For God's sake, we are using Kyrgyzstan. Okay. I would not really be able to pinpoint it on a map, but it looks like a cool place. Mm. Um, so it's super cool to interact with so many nationalities and you know, collect the needs they have and try to, to, to answer them. Uh, so in 2021, it will be mainly this and probably a fundraiser to get the ball rolling and, you know, get the means for developing all the cool stuff we have in mind. One thing we love about doing the pseudo show is to have a call to action each episode, not just to share information, but to go out and actually do something with that information. But before we get into that, we need to share with you a word from one of our favorite sponsors. This episode of Pseudo Show is brought to you by our amazing partners at DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service to build modern cloud native apps. With that platform, you can build, deploy, scale apps, and static websites quickly and easily. It couldn't be easier to get started. Simply point your GitHub repository and let the app platform do all the heavy lifting. It has support for Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, and even Docker. DigitalOcean runs their app platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with other products. Plus, they built this new app platform on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing you a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup. As a listener of the Pseudo Show, you can get started for free. Better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you go to do.co slash dln. Again, go to do.co slash DLN to get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of the Pseudo Show and the entire Destination Linux network. So, Felipe, you mentioned a little bit earlier in the show that uh, you'd, you'd seen some, uh, some action from DigitalOcean. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard for us to know exactly who is, what, who is doing what. Probably those are people using DigitalOcean. At first, we thought, okay, that's, that these are, these are DigitalOcean users, but we saw like 100 machines. So it's, it's way too much to be just randomly one user spawning it and then another user spawning it. Besides, they were spawning like in like five to 10 minutes, we were having a batch of 10 machines. I'm thinking, I'm guessing that uh, DigitalOcean is running uh, tests uh, with the software, uh, as is currently GoDaddy and, and some other uh, companies. But they, they have been the first movers here. And I'm not surprised because they are very keen on security. You know, they love it. 
uh, they're always looking for uh, very good software or ways to to ramp up their security online. So yeah, I think we're really glad to see them use the being the biggest user actually of the of the software so far. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, DigitalOcean has been a sponsor of this show for a little while. It's been a sponsor of the network for for a couple of years now. Uh, so it's really great to see them active in the community. Yeah, and you know what? Funny enough, we don't know them at all, and we 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 have no direct contact. They have not contacted us, which is cool because it means that they have you know they could be autonomous using the system like Brandon was. But uh, if they feel like they want to have like an interaction with us or even influence a roadmap, because guys, if you are spawning hundreds of machines, I guess you have a slot in our roadmap, right? If you have something, if you're facing any problem, just contact us, right? <laughs> well, that I mean, that would be awesome if, if uh, you're coming on the show. Just, I mean, we reached out to you, Colt. It'd be awesome if we could put you in touch with, uh, with some of the folks at DigitalOcean. Yeah, sure. Felipe, if our audience wants to get started with CrowdSec, where do they go to bring your security tool to their systems? Uh, the, the best way is uh, GitHub, definitely. Uh, we're on GitHub. You just have to type in CrowdSec or Crowd Security. You should easily find the software. Uh, we have a website as well, which explains the concept in a more layman way, uh, so you don't have to be an expert in anything. It's uh, https double slash two point double slash CrowdSec.net. And we have a, a huge documentation. It's really important for us to make a great documentation, you know, because so many people have done an extremely good job at doing software, but they never really explain what they did in the end. So you don't get all the juice of what you can do with it. So we really are committed to make a great documentation. And as much as we can, we also carry uh, translation effort uh, to enlarge a crowd that could use the software. Other than getting started and actually using the software, is there a way for our listeners to give back? So whether that's, I'm thinking more specifically like code contributions, but if that's, uh, or or is there something more specific that, that you're looking for? Oh, thank you for that one. I mean, it means the world to us, this community, because we want to interact up and down every day. So yes, contribution is the most uh, helpful way of telling us what you want, what you need, and you can make a pull request or just ask a question, or you can, you know, create new scenarios, new data connectors. With the one zero release, it's really, uh, you know, we are opening the game, and you can go. It will be a lasting adventure, so you can involve yourself. But there's even more to this. We are recruiting on a per country basis uh, some ambassadors. So we have, for example, a former fail to ban contributor that is an ambassador for ourselves in Argentina. Uh, We have ambassadors in India, uh, in Russia, and so on and so forth. So what we would like is to find ambassadors in every country and help them to spread the world. So we have a a pact with them. We can help them, uh, even up to money uh, contributions to help them develop the the brand and the name and, and everything. So contributions are very, very welcome. And there's a few ambassadors that we would love to get in various countries, yeah. It's really great to hear and, and really excited that, uh, that we could bring you on the, on, uh, on the pseudo show and help you build that network here through uh, Destination Linux. So how can, how can people follow you, follow CrowdSec? You mentioned the website. Um, is there anywhere you want to send folks, blog or social media? Sure, sure. We have a Twitter uh, handle, uh, CrowdSecurity, Crowd underscore security, I think. Uh, we have a LinkedIn page that we also maintain quite often. And uh, you can find some of our posts on Medium uh, under my name, Philippe Humeau. And so that's, that's pretty much it for now. Uh, I guess we'll spread the word in, around the, 
in many different ways. But if you want to interact directly with the team, the best way of doing it is Gitter. Uh, we have a Gitter account, so you, you can, you know, day in, day out reach us. And we have a discourse forum. So if you have a use case you'd like to describe and you'd like uh, the, the team to take interest in, uh, describe it on discourse because, you know, we're helping each other here. So someone may see your case and say, okay, oh, it's exactly the same thing I'm trying to achieve. Uh, how did the team decide to resolve this? And, and that's a lasting thing. You know, it's a forum. So it's pretty cool. This is where we'll do support most of the time. And, you know, everyone joining through the show, just think that you are helping each other. You're helping us, but you're helping yourself and you're helping all the other members of the network because we grow by the day and every day we grow stronger, you get safer. It is a very, very important message here. I mean, think about it. If you, were, if you would need to do the same thing, achieve the same thing with a private network, with your money, mm -hmm. Eric, right? You would need to rent something like 10,000 machines that you would pay $30 a month plus, uh, you know, uh, DevOps and so on, it would cost you something like $4 million a year to get something not as accurate as we are trying, as what we are trying to build because we have more granularity. We have little shops in Thailand using it. We have people, I don't know, in Iceland, in small data centers or, or blockchain mining uh, places using it. We are also on AWS, good idea, and everywhere. So, Lots of geographies, lots of variety. You could not really possibly do that uh, without automating. And automation means you would you know, target like one or two clouds. It would be complicated mm -hmm. to have such a diversity. So as soon as we reach 10,000, which we expect to do like around January, we will have probably one of the best reputation system ever. And we will owe it to the community 100%. We are helping each other here. It's really the message. And we aim to, to have like, I don't know, half a million machine in four years from now. Uh, this will be the ways of security somehow, you know. That that's an amazing mission, and and I, I I love hearing how passionate you are about building that network, about building that community. So definitely check the show notes uh, with this episode. We'll have a link to the Gitter, the discourse, and, and the website, and uh, we'll we'll link in uh, Felipe and CrowdSec's Twitter handles as well. So if you want to get involved, go on out, install the software, help uh, help make Brandon C file instance just a little bit more secure. <laughs> so Felipe, thank you so much for coming on the show. We loved having you. Do you have any parting thoughts before we uh, before we head out? Yeah, I think you know the important thing we have in mind is like you can do an open source company and you can do business as well and be faithful to both. You know, it's not is one. It's not exclusive. You we think that maintaining a great software over time needs to have a very fair sharing model and revenue model, and this is what we're trying to achieve here. So no worries, guys. Uh, what's free now will stay free forever. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Felipe. Looking forward to talking to you maybe on the next release. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. And uh, go on with the show. It's really great. We, we are so happy to hear about it and to listen out to our own voice for once on your show. It's always fun to, to discuss with you. Uh, we just usually don't interact with you directly. We just listen to you. And now it's cool to have a conversation. So anytime you want, Brandon, Eric, it's really my passion. And I'm, I'm super happy to have done that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we'll have to have you on the show again real soon. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. As always, your feedback is welcome. Head on over to sudo.show slash discuss. If you'd like more of Brandon and I, you can find it over at sudo.show and on social media at sudoshowpodcast. You can catch more awesome content over at our network partners, destinationlinux.network. 
The DLN website and the merch store have both received huge facelifts and now include new products for the network and our own pseudo show mug. Brandon, anywhere else you'd like to send folks? You can follow me on Twitter at dbrandonjohnson or my website, open-tech.net. And you can follow me at ITGuyEric or on ITGuyEric.com. Remember, the pseudo show is your place for all things enterprise open source. Until next time.